Hello and welcome to Pound the Rock, an NBA podcast by The Score. I'm your host, William Liu. I'm joined by fellow co-host Jessica Sharo. What's going on? And The Score's biggest off-season addition, Alex Wong. Hi. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm very excited to be here. Um, With two of my favorite people. Okay, that, that last part is not a lie. That first part might be, but um, we're here on this episode to talk about the NBA's uh, over-unders that have been put out by Vegas. We're going off the numbers from Odd Shark. It's going to be a two-part episode. On this one, we're going to talk about the Western Conference. Uh, later in the week, we're going to talk about the Eastern Conference. Um, and I guess we'll start from the top to the bottom um, because no one wants to hear about the Sacramento Kings two minutes into a podcast. So... Let's talk about the Golden State Warriors, uh, who added DeMarcus Cousins and lost JaVale McGee. Uh, and they are projected for 65.5 wins um, for the upcoming season. Cash, I'll start with you. Is this too high for the Warriors? Because we kind of know that they're a very lazy team and they will take off like two months at a time just for fun. Sixty. So I'm still going to go with the over. I wow. Uh, I mean, they add Boogie just – the depth of like not just depth but the depth of top end talent right like superstar talent is is kind of unimaginable and even if they do take nights off like you know to me the only way they go under is if it's more injury driven than just complacency driven um you know if Steph misses a few weeks and KD misses a few weeks which you know did happen last year right then sure yeah they'll, they'll last year what they went 57 58, 58. They, they, could, they could dip under 60 but Barring injury, even like they can be complacent and just come out and do what they did last year and blitz teams by 48 points every third quarter and still win games like, pretty handily. So, to me, the only way they go under 65 is if it's injury driven. But complacency to me will just the only thing complacency will do is derail them from winning 75. It's not going to derail them from winning 65 if they're healthy, Alex. Yeah, I'm with Cash, man. Because, like, last year, I didn't even know they won 58 last year because people play it up like. They had such a terrible regular season. Didn't they lose by, like, 40 points in the last regular season game at, like, Utah or something? Yeah. I remember Steve Kerr was, like, all stressed out. Yo, Steve Kerr to... was stressed the whole year. He's like, <laughs> yeah, it my, might have my, been fake stress, though. My back hurts, and you guys just, like, don't even care about basketball. And... No, I feel, like, I feel like it was, like, 30% Sh- fake stress. Shameless plug uh, after the finals. Alex was there. I did talk to Steve Kerr about that, about his stress uh, level throughout the season, but he, I don't, you remember this, Alex? We were in the hallway. I was talking yeah. to Kerr after the finals, after they won it, and he did say that this year felt different because just it felt like there was even more expectation on them this year. And yeah. he said he almost felt like more than like a celebration of winning mm-hmm. that this year was almost just like winning was just a weight off his shoulders, and that kind of speaks to what you're saying of like that stress level he had all year, and just having Boogie too. Like you assume like he comes back at some point, like. I don't know, January, February or something. Like, that's going to give them a jolt too, right? Like, whatever he contributes off the bench. So, like... Is he going to come pencil- off the bench, though? I think he's going to come off the bench. I feel like that'll, like, at least a start. But, like, yo, you can pencil these guys in for, like, 60 wins. And then, like, if it's... What's, what's the spread? 65? 65.5. Yeah. I feel like the safe move is to take the over. Look, I'm I'm not like a a big gambler or anything, but uh, one of the stats that did <laughs> well pop there goes up, this entire podcast. <laughs> one of the stats that did pop up was the Warriors were one of the worst teams, sort of in like a decade uh, against the spread last year. They just consistently underperformed and underachieved because like yo, they just didn't care. And like after two titles, you figured that they would care a little bit less. But I think like the thing with Boogie is just like. Like, they're probably going to work pretty hard to introduce him to the team. You know what I mean? Like, KD's first year. Like, they, they really bent over backwards to, to sort of get KD acclimated and things like that. And, like, Cousins isn't, like, a long-term project like KD is. But, like, I still think that just – I guess they just don't want to be embarrassed sort of in front of him and, and sort of raised his cred. I think that's probably their motivation going into the season. But, I mean – like you just can't deny, man. I mean, like even just if you just look at the talent additions, like even a guy like Jarebko, like they didn't have any wings last year. They were so injured that they had to play Nick Young in like actual important playoff moments. Like you know, Jarebko was an actual guy who can come in and not be Nick Young and actually play defense and maybe hit a corner three and, and keep it moving. Like you take that, you you put in the fact that there's there's Boogie and then. Like, they didn't lose anybody, though. That's the crazy thing. They didn't lose anybody. Like, this team is as good as a... They re-signed Kevin Durant. There's not as much drama around KD as there was maybe during the finals when there was talk that he might leave. Like, 
I don't know, man. It, like, they could easily rip off 70 is what we're saying. Like, if they really tried their best, they'd probably win 75 games. Yeah, and even, like, the record against the spread is one thing, and that speaks to complacency. But, again, like, they, they can go into a game, you know, favored by 16 and a half against some, like, East cellar dweller and take a half off yeah, and, mm-hmm. and still pull out a double-digit win. And it's like, well, they technically went 0-1 against spread that night, but they mm-hmm. still won a double. You know what I mean? So, yeah. like, the record against the spread does speak to complacency, but it kind of doesn't matter in the end. Yeah, you, and you can't just assume they're going to be complacent again next season, right? Mm. Like, all the things that you are saying, too. Like, maybe last year was, like, the most, like, stressful year for them. And now they get, like, a clean slate. They bring in Boogie. And like you said, like, they still have, like, all those guys, right? Like, they're just going to rip off all these wins. It's actually really funny when the Warriors talk about stress. As if, like, it's, like, the <laughs> most first-class problem ever. Like, oh, it is, man. It's so hard having to care about winning basketball games. It's, like, yeah. Also, and I guess <laughs> serves as a segue to the next team, but their biggest uh, competitors last year, not just in the West, but in the NBA, Houston, got worse. Like, there's no okay, did way they get, around that. Did they specifically get worse? I think they did. Okay. I mean, okay, let's talk about the Rockets then. Okay, so they... Vegas has them for 57.5 wins. They won 65 last year, so that's a huge step back. Um, wh- I mean, first off, what do you think is the cause behind that? Because I don't think they lost, like, you know, seven wins because of Trevor Ariza. Or did they? I don't know. And Bamute as well. Yeah. And again, yeah. I no, I get what you're saying. Look, those guys in a vacuum, right, are not worth seven wins in an NBA season. But I think, like... It just adds up over the course of a season what they did, right? Whether it's, you know, looking at the way they matched up with the Warriors or other kind of um, spacey, like, small ball teams, the way they could match up with them Mm -hmm. was pretty uncanny, right? Like, those guys were so switchable. And obviously, sure, they don't have the impact on winning of James Harden and Chris Paul and even a Clint Capella. But, like, what those guys did... And the versatility it gave them when you talk about Ariza and Bamute combining with guys like P.J. Tucker and, you know, up and down the roster. And you take a couple of those guys out, like, it changes everything. It really does. So, sure, they're still going to be a great team. But, you know, I'm not saying those two guys are the reason they're going to win seven less games or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But I do think that over the course of the year, they'll just, the matchups won't be the same. They'll run into opponents where they don't have the same versatility and the same, you know, amount of options to throw at guys. And and it's going to reflect in their win total. Also... They, um, I think at the beginning of the year, Chris Paul got hurt last year, right? He missed yeah, he missed a chunk time. of time. Yeah. Um, other than that, they did stay like relatively healthy and just so much clicked for them. And it's it's hard for me to see them replicating that. True. They'll still be a great team. And I'm going to say, I'm going to go under, honestly. Just, I think they'll still be a great team and that wins maybe 55, 56, but 58 plus might be asking too much after last year. Alex, is, is the, are the Rockets still the second best team in the, in the West? Yeah, I think so. I think it's clear that they're the second best team. Okay. Like, even though you can look at like you know losing Ariza and bringing in Melo and all that stuff. I mean, I feel like they did like Cash said they did have like a perfect season last year. Like even with the Paul injury, like everything yeah. clicked in the regular season, and they played so well against the Warriors until like the last two games, the second half in Game Six, and mm-hmm. going like what, oh for twenty seven, missing yeah. like twenty seven straight threes. Like that's fluky as hell. I think Ariza had like nine missed threes in that game. He yeah. missed all his shots. Yeah, he had to go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, like, no, but the, no, no, the but Suns like, had to give him fifty yeah, million yeah, for the that. The Suns had to do that. But like, I think the win totals lower too, because like, I'm guessing like Vegas might be adjusting for the fact that like the West kind of overall is a bit stronger too. Like not just like I know we'll talk about the Lakers, like LeBron coming. And, like, some of the other teams, too, that didn't make the playoffs last year, like Denver is a little better. Like, you figure Dallas is a little better, too. Like, if Memphis is healthy, they're a little better. So there's probably a few, a couple fewer wins for them to get, like, in the West. Mm-hmm. And adjusting for the fact that you assume that their roster is a little bit weaker. But I don't know. That's a really good number, though, like 57. Vegas knows what they're doing. Yeah, no, Vegas always knows what they're doing. Um, yeah, I would take the under, too, though. All right, this is I'm gonna make the I'm gonna make the case of the Rockets. Okay, I feel like yeah. I think because they had this like sort of one year blip, it felt like they had um, that they're, they're sort of prime for regression. But like the Rockets have been pretty good this whole time. Like even the year before mm-hmm. this, like they were real solid. They went to the second round of the playoffs and everything like that. Um, and the only my only concern isn't really about Ariza or Lucas Shardenbaum Mute. Like I think they do obviously drop off a little bit defensively, but. 
James Ennis can do probably as much as, you know, Mba Mute was doing for them. And then Melo can probably replace Ariza just on the whole, but not sort of specific on defense. But, I mean, like, come on, Melo is still a, a, a solid player. Um, and you got to factor in Capella is only 24 years old. Like, he's going to get better. He was already one of the best, you know, centers in terms of his role last season. Um, the, my only concern with the Rockets really is just that, like, you know, I don't know how motivated James Harden is on a night-to-night basis now that he has his MVP award because it, it really did feel like the last couple of years he's been really going all out to try to get that award and um, the Rockets team as a whole have been really thirsty to try to sell him as the MVP and he's come you know he's come short like two years in a row before this. Now that he's had it, like I don't know like specifically how motivated he will be on a night-to-night basis. Maybe he won't be just like you know dropping like 30 points a night and, and you know add, adding another 10 assists but I mean this is still an elite team and they kept pretty much their all their core pieces um you know if you factor in a little bit better health for Chris Paul which is a little bit tough to say but um I, I don't know I really don't see another reason why this team should fall back this far and I, I saw I, I still see them as a 60 win team that just isn't um in my personal view uh the next one the Los Angeles Lakers so they're third and it's a big dip um so 65.5 for the Warriors 57.5 for the Rockets. It goes down to 49.5 for Los Angeles for the for the Lakers who I mean they did add LeBron, but um, the rest of the moves didn't quite make a lot of sense. And if you factor in the fact that they only won 35 games last year, like does LeBron really translate to a 25 or or a 15 win bump by himself? Yeah, I think so, man. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. I got I, I think the Lakers going to win 50. Wow. I think so. Like what's, what? Okay, what's, what are what's the Lakers good at? It, what are they good at? Offense or like they're good at offense, but yeah, like are they, they good at defense? They like were, they're gonna they be. They were a, surprisingly good defensively last year. They were. Yeah, they, they, they Randall was a big part of that. They don't have Randall. He was, but there was yeah. a there was like a solid stretch of the year. Yeah, they ended up 14th in defense, like middle of the pack. Right. There was a solid stretch of the year where they were a top 10 defense. Are you in the Lonzo is a elite defender by RPM camp? Because that's that's a surprising. Um, section of Twitter that I, I think I don't Lonzo is a very good into. defender. I think he's a smart defender and I okay. think he will be elite. I think it's too early to say he's already an elite defender, but I do think he's a very good defender. I think he's an elete playmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the Lakers have young guys that can play, man. Like Ingram's good. Like what Josh Hart's like a summer league legend. Yeah, and like <laughs> Josh uh, Hart's a, Kuzma, yo, come on. Kuzma. Man. Like it's not like they don't have guys. I know everyone's like, oh they signed like what Beasley like JaVale and all those guys. But it's not like those are the guys that are going to be playing like 30, 35 minutes a game, right? Like those are straight just like depth guys. And like, you know, LeBron's LeBron. Like how are they not going to win 50 games? It's LeBron. The one thing too is what LeBron's presence means is a guy like Kuzma, Mm -hmm. you know, he had certain expectations after his surprising rookie season, right? Mm-hmm. And if LeBron's not there and they're just going into the season with all these young guys, Kuzma's got a lot of expectations on him to like take this next step. But now LeBron's there, and not that I'm saying no one expects anything from Kuzma anymore, but these guys can now kind of like gradually develop. You know what I mean? Because LeBron's there, and yeah. like they don't need Kuzma doesn't need to become a star all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. He just needs to kind of like gradually get better, even if he's what he is last year around LeBron. That's pretty good. All that said, I still don't think they're winning 50. I think the West is too good. It's too deep. There's too many tough games every night in this conference. Yeah. That as much as I like Ingram and Lonzo and even Kuzma and some of these young guys, I don't think there's enough like 2018, 2019 talent around LeBron to win 50 games in this Western Conference. Yeah, and this is the thing, right? Like we're, we just said about how we don't really see LeBron winning less than 50 games. He won 50 games last year leading the league in minutes. Um, appearing in every single game and generally speaking going all out for the Cavaliers like there were stretches where he didn't play a lot of defense but like come on he's a 33 year old guy like not most 33 year olds don't lead the league in minutes and if they do they don't you know end up playing that much defense you go from that you go to the west like it's a, it's a tougher situation he doesn't have as many veterans around him or at least the reliable kind and I don't know, man. I, I, I can certainly see the case for 50 wins, but it would really require LeBron to play a lot of minutes to get there. And I feel like the Lakers have been a little bit smart about how they've talked about LeBron. Like, they've already said that they're going to, like, you know, limit his minutes a little bit more to around 33, 34, which is, you know, not that big of a reduction. But over the span of a year, um, you know, those extra four or five minutes a game really do, you know, shave some of the workload off of him. But you... 
it's it's more of a concern of like the rest of that roster, right? Like who else can consistently give them something? Like there's a, there's a, there's a dearth of shooting on this team, for example, right? And they've talked about well, we'll we'll, we'll make up for it by with defenses like that. It's like who's who's protecting the rim on, on this team? Is it going to be Javale? He's not a good defender, and you know you look at the rest of that team. Like I think they're like the Rockets, like they're pretty good to guard like smaller teams, but in terms of just the bigger teams and the, the bigger centers out west, like. I, I don't know, man. I can really see the Lakers like struggling. Like they're gonna score a lot, I think, um, despite the lack of shooting. But I don't know. Like they, they have too many flaws, and so I, fifty wins might be a, a tall task for the, for this team. Yeah, Lakers winning fifty, man, guaranteed. Wow, guaranteed. <laughs> wow. I mean, you know, they could, I guess. Uh, <laughs> no, no, they won't. They won't. <laughs> let's be bold. Yo, but I mean, let's LeBron. LeBron. I mean, it's his first season in Los Angeles. Can we play too. small bets on these? We, should, we really should. <laughs> we got a bet bubble, too. Uh, I'll, yeah. All right. Um, the next one, the Utah Jazz at 48.5. Um, they didn't do much this offseason aside from re-signing Dante Exum and Derek Favors. But, um, yeah. Their Vegas over under reflects that. Like they won forty eight last year, forty eight point five this year. I feel like people are getting a little bit too excited about the Donovan Mitchell thing. Do you guys see a, a sophomore slump coming for for their best player? I don't. You I don't. don't. You know, I, he might not even be an all star, but I don't think he's going to slump or like regress massively. And I think if they're healthy, I think this is an easy over. Honestly, um, I think with Gobert healthy, this team was insane last year. They were like. The third best... I think they ended up finishing third anyway, but like... Or did they? Third, fourth, somewhere? No, Portland was third. Right, they finished in the fourth... The they finished fourth, seed. fifth. They uh, were Against fifth, the matchup yeah, yeah. Uh, with OKC. But it, when Gobert was healthy, Utah was arguably, what, the second best team in the league last year? Like, mm-hmm. their record was insane down the stretch. I think they went... Uh, there was like the number we all knew going into the playoffs, forgotten it over the last couple of months. But it was something along the lines of like thirty and six or twenty nine and six, like in that range. Yeah. Over the the final stretch of the season, they were insanely good. Um, another year for Mitchell. Derek Favors had like a very quiet bounce back year last year. Still a great defender. Like this team's good. Quinn Snyder's a magician. Um, we know what that home crowd is like. It, if they're healthy, I don't see how this team wins less than 49 games, you know, and that they only need 49 to hit the over. I think they're an easy bet for 50 wins if they're healthy. This is an easy over to me. Yeah, they were 19. I'm looking at the schedule last year. They were 19 and 28 in late January, and they finished with 48 wins. So must have gone like 27 and 6 or yeah. something, like down the stretch. Yeah, they remind me a lot of those um, Tom Thibodeau Bulls teams, like back in the day where they were just like, they have a good system. Like, they play really well under Snyder. As long as, like, the guys don't get hurt, like Gobert and Mitchell, like, they're always going to win those games against all the bad teams. And, like, they can go up against any of the teams with their defense, right? So I'm with Cash. I think I think that's a 50-win team. Do you think defenses have had some little bit of time to look at the tape and they might find, I don't know, new ways to guard uh, Mitchell after he sort of, you know – he probably took a lot of teams, um, you know, by storm last year just because they weren't prepared for how capable he was. I think this year, like, he's going to be number one in terms of their scouting reports, him, and then also the defense of Gobert. And I, I don't know. This, like, it wouldn't be inconceivable if he took a bit of a step back. He did it in the playoffs too, though, yeah. right? That's the thing, yeah. And and I think, um, I think the fact that he was this team's, like, number one offensive player last year by force you know when Gordon Hayward left this team was left I I honestly thought they were going to be one of the five worst offenses in the Mm -hmm. league last year because you looked at this roster and there was no one outside of Donovan Mitchell who was a rookie and our boy Jinglin Joe who as great as he is if if Joe Inglis is like the guy you're counting on to get your offense going you're probably in trouble and they ended up being great Um, and I think the fact that Donovan Mitchell was thrust maybe prematurely into that role of having to carry an offense, having to facilitate, having to carry the scoring load on an almost 50-win team as a rookie will help him next year. Because I think he's already, in a lot of ways, seen it all, right? Like, teams had 82 games to prepare for this guy true. and adjust to this guy, and he was still getting it done. If anything, he kind of picked up steam That's as true. the season went on and looked good in the playoffs um, against a good defensive team, mm-hmm. too. So, yeah, I think he'll be fine. Yeah, I think what encourages me here is that, like, 
um, Quinn Snyder is such a creative coach, and he's like f- figured out ways to like engineer spacing with his team. Like the favors Gobert thing is like always a little bit sticky in terms of just starting those two bigs that really can't shoot that much. I think mean, favors can shoot a mid range shot, but it's not really consistent enough at the three point line. And um, I mean, after they got Crowder, like it really did help a lot of their spacing. Like Jay Crowder really owes a lot to Quinn Snyder for helping him sort of. Uh, revive his career after that uh, really really terrible um, run with the uh, with, with the Cavaliers but I mean yeah I, I, the, my only concern with this team really is like the Gobert thing like he's we keep saying that he's gonna stay healthy and like if he stays healthy this team can win 50 55 games or whatever but like I, I don't know man I mean he he missed like 20 games in 2016 he bounced back with an 81 um, game season last or two years ago and then he was at 56 so like you know his his ankles are a little bit of a concern, and for a shot blocker like that, he's going to land in traffic and you know whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, if look, if he stays healthy, I agree with you all, of you guys. Also, they they waved minutes. David Stockton today. That's wow. bad karma. But they got all right. Grayson they're, Allen. They're winning, tw- they're winning twenty-eight. <laughs> that's like minus five wins. Yeah. But they also got Grayson Allen, so that's even more bad karma. Yeah, basketball to be Ted Cruz. Yeah. No, they're they're going to love him in Utah. They're going to love him in Utah for uh, obvious reasons. All right, next one: the Oklahoma City Thunder. 47.5, uh, another uh, win total that reflects last season's uh, number. They won 48 last year. They swapped out Mello, um, and they got Dennis Schroeder and Nerlens Noel. Most importantly, though, they re-signed Paul George and kept most of their supporting cast. Um, I don't know. It feels like that's a, that's a good figure for them because they really just kind of stood still and swapped out one high-volume, low-efficiency guy for another. Big difference, though. Dennis Schroeder, I think, will very much welcome a role as like a super sub on that team. Okay. And Carmelo Anthony never did. Yeah, um, I think Dennis Schroeder was miscast a little bit in Atlanta, actually a lot in Atlanta, as kind of like one of the young core pieces of the future. I don't think he was ever that guy, and it, it didn't seem to sit well with him when he started losing a grip of that. But I think OKC is a good spot for him. I, I know they need shooting, and he doesn't bring that, but I do think they also need some like – off the bounce juice off the bench and and I think he brings them that I really do mm. um, and you know the the speed at which he plays the game too if you just spent you know if you're spending 36 out of 48 minutes having to guard Russell Westbrook I'm not saying Schroeder's anywhere near Westbrook in terms of effectiveness right. but the speed he plays at like that's a lot of kind of relentless energy coming at you for 48 mm-hmm. minutes I think it's going to wear down he's got to be the quickest player in the league I feel like he's got to be close it's like yeah, him and Ish Wall Smith and yeah Ish Smith's up there too but yeah. John Wall I'd still put up there too okay um, but you yeah, know to me I think this is an over I like I loved what the Thunder had put together up until the day that they landed Mello last right. summer or right before training camp like I loved the Russ uh, PG duo with Steven Adams as kind of like rim running bully right. on the defensive end I thought it was honestly a perfect trio and then when they added Mello, I thought it kind of messed all that up. And you saw it over the course of the year. To me, just keeping this the core of this team intact but getting rid of Mello, to me, automatically like lifts them. I don't know what the figure is, whether mm-hmm. it's three wins, four wins, five wins. But I think they're infinitely better now. So you're saying over. I'm saying over. And, I again, it's one of these ones that to me is like pretty easy because I think this is the team that you know I was excited for last year before they signed Mello or landed him. Yeah, I feel like OKC is kind of where the cutoff is for me for like the really good like West teams. Like after that, like the list that we go down, a lot of the other teams have like question marks to me. And like their starting five is really good, right? And like swapping out Melo, like you said, is going to be an improvement. And like they've been looking for like the bench guys forever, right? Like can you even name the bench guys that were good for them last year? It wasn't Patrick Patterson. Yeah. It was not Patrick Someone's Patterson. Someone's got to ask Patterson about the movie pass controversy in the wow. U.S. <laughs> Otherwise, he's not he gonna get an interview. Movies. He loves movies. He yeah. Loves movies. Um, yeah, I think this is an over too. But I feel like this is kind of yeah. I but like I feel like then we gotta start going there. under on like the rest of the teams. Because like, how many teams? How many teams in the West is gonna win fifty games? Last year only two, but last year I know there was a lot of parity, right? Right. And like, there have been years. Like, do you remember that year? I think it was Dallas and Denver fighting for the last playoffs. It was like, they won 08, like 40, 48, right? I think the ninth place is like forty nine wins. I think yeah. all eight teams that made the playoffs have 50, yeah. had fifty. That's why these are so hard. Because like the Thunder could have like an incredible season, and win like forty seven, like in the West, right? Yeah, 
And that is tough to say. Like, I feel like if you're a Thunder fan, you're probably not thrilled with that because you're probably screaming like, we were like number one in the league when we had Andre Roberson, our starting five or whatever. Like, yeah, when Roberson comes back healthy, like, it's it's going to help this team uh, a lot. And plus, you take you take the addition of Roberson and you take the subtraction of Melo and, like, it's going to do wonders for the defense for that team because that team should really be a monster defensively. Like, Russ is kind of whatever. He kind of gambles a little bit. But Paul George and Andre Roberson with Steven Adams behind them is just – it's a, it's a lot of really, really good defense. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, like the only question I have really about this is Russell Westbrook in terms of just, like, uh, does he kind of put a ceiling on this team in terms of the way he plays? Because I feel like if Russell Westbrook just kind of, like, sort of gave up 10% of his possessions and turned them more into, you know, um, passes for other uh, other people and not just, like, assists. I mean, like, passes to, like, the, the guy, like, the hockey assist passes to the next pass, right? Like if he did more of that, then yeah, this team could definitely be a 51 team. But if Russ wants to like chase triple doubles again, which I, I hope he's done with that. Cause like last year he, he, he averaged triple double. No one cared. No one cared. Mm-hmm. Right. So if he kind of ditches that and really just focuses on trying to maximize with this roster, like it should be another 51 season for them. Um, sort of going back to when Kevin Durant was around. So um, moving on to the rest of the, West teams that are not quite that good. The Denver Nuggets, like, they could be good. Um, so they're listed here for 45.5 wins. They added Isaiah Thomas uh, on a minimum deal, which is just super sad that he's playing on a minimum. Uh, and Michael Porter Jr., who may or may not play at all in the cu- upcoming season because of his back injuries. Uh, and they lost Wilson Chandler, Ken Farid, and uh, Darrell Arthur mostly on uh, salary dump deals. While re-signing Will Barton and Nikola Jokic, Cash, what do you think of the Nuggets? All right, I'm, I, at some point we're gonna have to like figure out if this math adds up when I'm like going through this, <laughs> but I'm going over again. No, wow. look, look, you've got it right here in this handy cheat sheet you've got for us. 2017-18 wins, 46. Their win total over under for this year, 45.5. So if they just replicate last season, it's an over. Last season, this team was like very much in the hunt for home court advantage in the playoffs, and Paul Millsap's injury completely tanked them. And then they recovered a little bit at the end with Millsap back, and it came down to the last night of the regular season in a game that I believe went into overtime, Yeah, and they lost, and that's the reason they didn't make the playoffs. Like, this was a good team in a very good Western Conference last year that you'd hope Millsap is healthier this year. Like Again, that was a big blow to them. Um, Jamal Murray's a year older. Gary Harris, who to me is one of the most underrated players in the league, a year older. Nikola Jokic, a year like they've got so much young talent. If Millsap stays healthy, if Isaiah gives them anything off the bench, like the, I don't see how this team gets worse unless there's like another debilitating injury that comes into play. I, I don't see how they're taking a step back and not getting better. Yeah, thanks. Thanks to Will's cheat sheet, I can see that the Nuggets were 26th on defense. Last year, and oh, I'm not sure how that has improved. Right? No, has it that, definitely has Have they improved. fixed that? No, Wilson Chandler was like an actual solid defender for them, and they added Isaiah Thomas, who's like the worst not defender good, in the yeah. league. And like the issue is just you when you have Jokic protecting the basket, it's not going to help. It's not great. Much. But can you win 46 games, or can you approach 50 wins like in the West? If your defense is like bottom ten, this is what I'll yeah, say. This you know is what I'll say. Last year, the Denver Nuggets, the Denver Nuggets were a bottom five defense wow. and know. won forty six games. Standing for the Denver Nuggets is wild. I don't. This, I don't, this, don't this believe. I don't believe in this team. Also, Isaiah Thomas called Cleveland a shithole on IG story. It wasn't wrong, but it was. Just, it was hurtful. Yeah. It was hurtful. Um, karma points. You got to factor in the karma points, man. To be honest, though, so the Cavs fans really treated him really poorly. He had a year from hell last year. It was terrible. All I know is Alex and I spent some time in Cleveland the last couple of years for the finals, and we definitely never said a disparaging word about the city of Cleveland that would, you know, would ever have us agreeing with Isaiah Thomas. So. No. Oh, it's okay. Don't we worry. We are definitely not. You guys, you guys won't be going back to Cleveland for a while, so <laughs> it'll be fine. All right, I'd like to go to that LeBron return game. No, I mean, hopefully it'll be a nice reception. But, um, yeah, I mean, with the Nuggets, like, look – Alex, this is this is kind of the point I made about um, LeBron's new team in the Lakers. Like, I just don't think that they're like good enough defensively, where they can consistently, you know, because like, look, if you're gonna be in the West, right, you got to be mm-hmm. at least above average in both categories and maybe elite at one thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you're like second on offense and 15th on defense, it's like, all right, cool, then you can actually do something. But if you're like a bottom five team, and a team with Jokic at center is always gonna put you at like bottom five in terms of defensively, then like. 
Guys, it's going to be tough. They got to score like 140 points. Bottom five last year and still no. won 46 games. All right. Also, I picked too many teams to go over, so I have I have to stand oh, by. Oh, my math's definitely out of whack. Yeah, I have to stand by the under at this point. All right, um, another team that uh, you know is not very good, but maybe maybe if everything goes right, is very good. Is the Minnesota Timberwolves? They're listed here for forty four point five wins after winning forty seven games last year to sneak into that uh, eighth seed. They lost uh, Nemanja. Elisa and added Anthony Tolliver while re-signing Derrick Rose. Um, That's the saddest like <laughs> sentence we've said on this podcast in a while. It's because they're super capped out. Um, who knows? You know, they might add Joakim Noah when he's inevitably bought out by the Knicks. Um, I'll, and I'll bet anything on that, really. But, um, yeah, I mean, what do you guys think of the Timberwolves? I feel like everyone's really down on the Timberwolves, despite the fact that, you know, they had a nice year. They, they broke a 14-year playoff drought. Did they have a nice year, though? For real, like they broke the playoff trout and ever sure mm-hmm. that's great. Um, but when you look at like the talent that was on that roster and the expectations when they landed Jimmy Butler, um, and the the progression that was expected from a guy like Andrew Wiggins, like when you really look at it, I don't think they did have a good year. I think they were disappointing. I think Andrew Wiggins stagnated, if not regressed. Carl Anthony Towns took another step offensively, but like I think Carl Anthony Towns on the defensive end has regressed. Honestly, since his rookie year, he might be worse defensively than, like right now, which is crazy when you consider now he's under the tutelage of Tibbs. Jimmy Butler was great, um, but Tibbs is going to ride him into the ground. And their supporting cast isn't good because Tibbs, the executive, is handcuffing Tibbs, the coach. Mm-hmm. Um, even like the fan um, engagement, Minnesota's like attendance is still really bad. It didn't mm-hmm. bounce back, even though they finally had a compa- Like There was just a lot of reasons why... The team, the atmosphere around the team was not what at least I expected it to be when they did land Jimmy Butler. So I think they, had, despite the fact they won 47 games and made the playoffs, I actually think they had a bad year mm. last year. Yeah, and there's like so much noise around like the chemistry of the team too, right? Right. Like with Towns, Butler, like Butler might leave. And like no one seems to be happy with Wiggins. And like is Thibodeau <laughs> still a good coach? Yeah, I think like, Thibodeau's his his days as a good coach is is kind of over because it, it just doesn't fit with the modern style, man. The game mm-hmm. kind of changed. Like he changed the game first with the way he played defense or he, the way he designed his defenses. But nowadays, like yeah. So after they trade Jimmy Butler to the Raptors at the trade deadline, wow, I'm gonna have to take the under on this one for sure. I was gonna say I feel like this uh, over under total has like the possibility of a of a Butler trade baked into it because like. Mm-hmm. If things really do go south, like he really does need to, and by he I mean Tibbs, he really needs to take a long look at this roster, and maybe flip Butler um, for some future pieces. But I just think that, like, again, Tibbs as the GM is going to limit Tibbs as a coach, because I think he's going to be like, well, well, we'll have Jimmy, we'll make this crazy run towards the end of the year, maybe things will turn around, and if he falls short on that, like, I, it, the whole thing could come falling down, man. Like you could, pr- they're like. You know, Cat's going to get a maximum extension. He might demand, like, you know what, I don't want to play with Butler, who seems to be a bit of a prickly teammate uh, if you're not, like, as committed as he is, and he's kind of maniacal about it. And, you know, Tibbs is really only going to be around so long as as Butler's around. So if Butler decides to leave, and if Cat wants him to leave, and Butler's probably going to leave, like, this whole thing could get shaken down. So um i feel like this one's accurate and in fact in fact i'm gonna take them under on this despite the fact despite the fact that the timberwolves were fourth in offense last year and they were really effective when butler was was there like when butler was healthy they were the third seed they were they were rolling but the one thing was just too many question marks and the bench is terrible yeah it's atrocious again tibbs the gm right tibbs the exec yeah uh, i'm oh, Tolliver's not bad yeah, he's, he's Tolliver's not bad. It's like pretty. It's like a pretty sad defense for a yeah, team. Though. Tolliver uh, shot like forty four percent from three last year. Right. Uh, What's the respect on Anthony Tolliver, <laughs> who got dunked on by Demar into oblivion? I'm going under. Also, the whole like, yeah, they were like right there for third in the West, but they also finished eight. Like the thing with the West last year is again like Denver won forty six, mm-hmm. and they were ninth. Mm. Like Minnesota, yeah, they were. Right there for the third seed, they were also one overtime period away from not even being a playoff team. You know what That's I mean? True. Like it's That's so true. hard to yeah. kind of. That's true. All these like six of these over unders are going to come down to like the last two weeks of the regular season, basically. Yeah, like it's great. Vegas baby. We're gonna, we're Anthony Tolliver some... baby. Yo, Anthony Tolliver. Look, listen. It's KCP without the clutch <laughs> agency connect. Man. Wow. 
Yeah, no, he's honestly living year to year on a minimum deal, despite the fact that he's actually not a bad player. All right, the next one. This is a bit controversial, but the San Antonio Spurs, after acquiring DeMar DeRozan and his loyalty, 44.5 wins. Uh, that's less than last year when they got 47, and that's when Kawhi played nine injury-prone games, and the drama sort of hung over the team. Um, they couldn't score at all, and they added DeMar basically for not that much, considering Kawhi didn't play that much, and they're supposed to lose three extra games. Um, it feels like it should be an easy over, but I kind of think they might go under on this team because it's, it's not a very um, modern roster that they've they put together. Yeah, I... Like, I get the fact that, you know, DeMar's not replacing Kawhi. DeMar is replacing, replacing Danny nine. Green. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, he's nine games of Kawhi. So you figure DeMar DeRozan, who's one of the most durable stars in the league, is going to give you way more than what a nine-game sample of Kawhi gave you. And you still have pop coaching. And, like, DeJounte Murray should be a little better. And Yaka Pertle, like, should be solid. In yeah. their, like, they've got, you know, reason for optimism. Considering how well they did last year with what turned out to be a limited roster... But I just can't wrap my head around... Look, LaMarcus Aldridge was great last year. like Really good. Great. On, you can make the argument it was maybe a career year for him, despite yeah. how late in his career he is. But I cannot wrap my head around like how an offense in 2018 mm. built around LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan is going to work. Like I know Pop is a magician, but how do you make that work? Because... So much of what these guys do well, and you know, you can almost talk about it in like stubborn terms, is that they were stubborn and sticking to their game, and it worked because they went against the green and and excelled like in an area of the game where other guys just don't do well, right? Like Demar takes low percentage shots, but he makes them work. No one else could do that. But when you put two of those guys together, I know, I I, I do not see how this works. Yeah, this feels like a finally like a transitional phase for the Spurs. Like, just looking at their roster, like, I'm just not impressed with the roster. Like, there's just not a lot of good players there. And You're not impressed with what Derek White might bring to this team? I think if they had Anthony Tolliver, it might be a different story. <laughs> but it'd be, it'd be dramatically different. And we're never that. getting Tolliver on the podcast. <laughs> but, but it just doesn't, like, this, this, this roster is just not impressive. It feels like probably like a 40-win team. Wow. Wow. So you're going, like, under 500. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Here's the thing, like, I feel like, the Spurs are going to be the Spurs. They're going to maximize every advantage, and they're going to have this, like, you know, it, it's a nice little coaching bump that they have with Popovich, right? But, like, man, you look at this team, like... You need guys, man. DeJounte Murray can't shoot at all, right? And, like, who knows? Maybe he comes back, takes a huge leap. For for the time being, based on what he's shown so far, he can't shoot threes, right? And you look at DeMar. A lot of DeMar's success in Toronto was that he played with uh, an elite three-point shooter in Kyle Lowry, who... I know Larry doesn't get a lot of love for how good he is at threes, but he made more threes than anyone other than James Harden and Paul George last year. He was third in the league in three-point like makes. One of the five best three-point shooters of the last half decade. Yeah. Literally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, like, so Kyle Lowry is able to like change his game because he used to be a driver. He was he's, he sort of moved out beyond the three-point line, sort of turned himself into an off-ball specialist, and it really helped facilitate DeMar's game. DeJounte Murray can't do that. He's not... He's not a shooter. He's a slasher, right? And DeMar's a slasher, a phenomenal slasher, like really good in pick and roll. Him and LaMarcus Aldridge are going to work really nicely together. But if you have a non-shooter in DeJounte Murray, you have another non-shooter in Rudy Gay, who Rudy Gay and DeMar did not work in Toronto the first time. Now, I think Popovich is a lot better as a coach than Dwayne Casey. Um, And I think Rudy Gay sort of accepted he's a power forward now, but still not the greatest tandem. And then, man, like... Even off the bench, like, who are you really bringing off? Like, Tony Parker's gone. Um, you know, Manu is still up in the air. He's, you know, taking his time to des- decide what he's going to do. And you look at the rest of that young talent. Like, even a guy like Kyle Anderson was actually low-key, like, a pretty good contributor for them last year, especially defensively. He's gone, too. So, wh- what are you really doing, right? Like, the, the talent on this team is is not good beyond the top two and the top two like you said cash like they don't really fit together no and like just think about the teams we've already gone through right Uh like just in this episode how many of them would you say the spurs like are better i mean obviously from a uh, betting perspective the spurs are listed after all of them but right you know they're obviously not as good as golden state houston 
The Lakers, I guess it's debatable, but still, nah, I, exactly. On. They're not going to be better than that Lakers team. They're not better than the Jazz. They're definitely not better than a mellowless Thunder who have improved. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not better than my Nuggets. They're not. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm, I'm, really nuggets no. I'm serious, man. I, I think a, a healthy Nuggets for the team. Weirdest like, things on no, but that's the thing. too many weapons. Even the Timberwolves, who we just like yep. raided on and said this could be a disaster. They got year. way better offense. Who would you, right now, like going into this season, 2018, would you rather have Butler Cat mm-hmm. or DeRozan Aldridge? No, I'll take the team with a superstar. Like Jimmy Butler is the best yeah. player out of all. Like, so they probably aren't even as good as Minnesota if all things kind of pan out. And then we haven't even talked about like New Orleans. That's what I'm saying. Portland, teams, who yeah. always seems to kind of be there when everyone thinks they're going to fall off. Like, yeah. The Spurs are no playoff shooting, man. Like This to me yeah. is like a best-case scenario. This is a sixth seed. And yeah. a, like this, they could fall to like 10th. The Spurs are almost getting a bump just because they're the Spurs. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's that's really what this is really saying, right? And I guess, like, look, last year was a testament to that. 47 wins with that limited roster is truly an accomplishment. But how many years, like, in a row does LaMarcus all just want to grind and just, like, post up, like, 15 times a game? Because he's not even going to be able to post up as much, right? Like, DeMar's going to be there. Like, if you give LaMarcus the ball to isolate, you have... Dejounte Murray's man's coming over the help. Demar's man's coming over the help. <laughs> like Rudy Gay's guy's probably cheating a little bit in the paint. Like it, it's, I, I don't know, man. It's it's gonna be a tricky fit. And also, like Demar doesn't really play that much defense, so it's sort of an issue where, it, look, Popovich is probably gonna motivate him a little bit better than he was in Toronto, where he was a little bit more comfortable. But um, there might be a little bit of a step back defensively, and that's really where the Spurs like consistently make their hay. When they win fifty games every year, like that's because they're always the lead on defense. And if you have one weak chain in that, like you know, it, it breaks the defense down a little bit. So I think we all kind of agree on the under here. Uh, the next one, a little bit surprising: the Pelicans, forty-three point five after winning forty-eight games last year. Obviously, having that really great um, playoff run, uh, at least in the first round when they swept the Portland Trailblazers. Um, they added Jaleel Okafor, which is, you know, whatever, but he did he did really slim down, and I feel like, you know, maybe that's something there. Um, Alfred Payton, which is, okay, cool. Uh, a younger Rondo, I guess, without the leadership. And Julius Randle, which, you know, functionally might actually be a better fit uh, than Cousins. They obviously lost Cousins, they lost Rondo. Rondo was a pretty important piece in the playoffs, but we're not talking about playoffs. We're talking about regular season here. 43.5 for the Pelicans. That, I feel like that's kind of low. I'd hit the over. I would hit the over. If Anthony Davis is healthy, and I mean, he's always the biggest, like, health question mark, right? Yeah. Like, how is this team not going to win, like, 45 games? They figured out how to play around Davis after Cousins went down last year. And I know they swapped out some of the pieces on on the roster, but Davis is that good. Yeah. Like, this is kind of like my LeBron guarantee with with the Lakers, too. Like, when you have a player that good, and if he's going to play, like, 70, 75 games, like... I feel like this is really low Agreed. for the Pelicans. We, well, we just talked, like, we were just asking the questions about, like, kind of different duos and star mm-hmm. tandems. Um, Drew Holiday still probably doesn't get enough respect for how good he is, yeah. how consistent yeah. he is, how, like, stable he is yeah. night to night. Uh, a healthy Anthony Davis, Drew Holiday combo, like, is right up there with all of these combos we've been talking about in yeah. all these teams that are in mm-hmm. this, like, kind of 4 to 10 range, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the Brow, Miritich, Randall trio... Right is like a really 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 good like functional kind of seamlessly fit together mm-hmm. um big rotation for the modern game i i think it fits better than boogie did obviously without the star power um and i i don't see how this team's losing five games from last year yeah um i also feel like they kind of made a breakthrough last year right we saw in the playoffs like they kind of figured out like how do we win with a team with anthony davis in this role because anthony davis used to get his numbers but, like, the rest of the team wasn't as cohesive. They weren't as good defensively. I think everything really did click for them last year. And I feel like this is a team that, like, it's poised for a breakout almost, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like they made any crazy additions. So, you're not necessarily looking at this team in terms of a team that's going to make this huge jump. But, like, Anthony Davis is, at worst, the fifth best player in the league, right? And he has a really solid amount of supporting characters. And not even just solid, but, like, the actual right type of supporting characters around him. Like, Randall... He fits really nicely. He's he's a really nice um, defender, especially when he's really engaged. And on a one-year deal, you figured he's going to be pretty, pretty motivated. Um, I don't know. I like the Pelicans a lot. Or maybe that's just the playoffs speaking, right? Because maybe the, the, the Blazers were just that bad. And we'll talk about the Blazers in a second. But I don't know. This team is, is, is really nice. The playoffs, too, were so much about matchups, right? And the fact that Holiday Rondo. Holiday playoff Rondo. Yeah. Playoff um, Rondo is different. From, like, 
a defensive standpoint, was the absolute worst possible matchup a team built on score first guards like Dame and CJ could run into, right? Like mm-hmm. that that's kind of as great as the Pelicans are, and I right. do like that team and do think they had a breakthrough. A lot of that playoff success was just like a perfect matchup for them and a terrible matchup for the team we're about to talk about. Yeah. The only thing I will say last thing about the Pelicans is just I wish they got like a knockdown shooter. Like if they got Kyle Corver to come off the bench or something like that, that would be just it would fit perfectly. But um yeah, let's talk about that team. The Portland Trailblazers. 49 wins last year. Number three seed, all right? They talked about, you know, they're, they're definitely lead the league, or at least at least in the Western Conference, because I guess the Wizards are in the... I was going to say, Wizards West. <laughs> they're the Wizards but West. They're really Wizards West, man. They like they talk about how they don't love us. We have the best backcourt in the league, even though they know they're lying. Um, <laughs> and they got four, they're listed here for 42.5 wins, which I think is kind of accurate, despite the fact that they've sort of exceeded the number in recent years, but like... That this off this summer was just so depressing for them. Like they lost uh, an actual useful contributor in Ed Davis. They replaced him with Seth Curry, not Steph. Seth, who is uh, all right, cool, another small guy that can't guard, cool. And Nick Stauskas, who you know, I, I don't even know. I guess he's there to replace Pat Connaughton or whatever. But this is it. That's their whole summer. And after you get dropped like that in the playoffs, you can't come back with just that. Yeah, this reminds me of, like, the Spurs. Like, I'm looking at their roster, and, like, outside of the backcourt, like, what are you really impressed with with the team? Like, the ceiling for this team feels so low. Like, how far is CJ and Dame going to get them? Like, I don't even think, they, I don't even think they're going to make the playoffs. Well, Vegas right? doesn't either, right? Yeah. Like, they're, they're the, what, 10th best win total in the West. Yeah, seems like the roster is just tapped out based on what they have. I think this is an easy under for me. Oh, There's also a trade possibility here, too. Right, yeah. because this mm-hmm. might finally be the year where they decide. Hit the reset. We can't do anything else. We have to move one of these two guys. Yeah, I, I'm going to go over only because like I feel like the last couple of years I've gone into seasons, and I think a lot of people have thinking that Portland has been exceeding expectation. Like you know what I mean, exceeding their talent level, and it's going right. to come back to earth. And then last year again, they just like find a way. Damon CJ, for as much as we kind of like joke about the Wizards thing, like they're always talking about no love. I kind of got to give it to them. Like, they do come into every year with everyone expecting this to be the year this team falls off. And Damon CJ pull kind of like a ragtag group of guys to not just like the eight seed, but like f- almost 50 wins every year. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that they can at least win 43 games. Um, whether that even ends up in a playoff spot or not, but I do think they're still good enough to get 43 plus. Also, I don't think they got enough credit for last year, Terry Stotts and co. Like, for their offense dropped off. This is this was a top 10 defense last year. Yeah. Now, Ed Davis actually contributed a lot to that, and losing right. him is going to hurt. But the fact that they pulled a top 10 defense kind of out of their ass last year yeah. with this team, um, you know, has to has to say something. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I still think they're a 43-win team, if not better. Yeah. I think it's, it's sort of like the Timberwolves thing, right? It's like a perception thing around the team. And, like, there's a lot of negativity around this club. Like, when KD's dunking on you, um, like, that's not a good thing. That's just not, right? Because, like, the atmosphere around the team is just, like, you got swept. And then you didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Which is just, like, it's, it's kind of sad, really, that they did that. And, like, depends on sort of how much Dame... Like, Dame kind of gets mentioned in trade rumors that aren't really, like, substantial trade rumors. But, like... If that noise starts to grow and, like, how that affects the team and he's supposed to be a leader, he's supposed to be, like, the guy that's, like, you know, the the guy who is, like, just always shown loyalty to the franchise and really, like, worked with the young guys and everything like that. He's, he's a true leader in that sense. But if he's the guy that ends up popping up in trade rumors, if McCollum's the guy that ends up popping up in trade rumors, like, how much is this team going to be motivated, right? Because ultimately, they look at this roster, they know it's limited, and they're pretty much just going to have to fight this uphill battle again. So I think I have them down uh, as well in terms of as an, as an under. Um, the Clippers surprisingly won 42 games last year, and they're listed for 40.5. I feel like this is an under because I feel like last year they overachieved, and this year that roster is completely up for sale, basically, because the whole team is just in a mode where they want to chase Kawhi. They've already fired Bruce Bowen just because he talks some <laughs> Honestly, not necessarily Snyder and kind of truth about Kawhi, but still he got fired um, as their um, color commentator. And you look at this team. The best player is Tobias Harris or Lou Williams. There's no way that should be a 41 team. Yeah, they're not winning 40 games. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is an easy ender. And yeah. they lost DeAndre, who, you know, whatever, but it's still impactful. The Clippers will be fun, though, I feel like. Why? They have a lot of just randomly fun guys. You don't like watching, like, Lou Will? Man, I, I thought they were going to be fun last year. 
Okay. I thought like, they were fun. Well, last they ended year, up being fun, but like in a different way. I thought yeah. the roster that they originally put together oh, with, with was going to be fun. Yeah, because yeah. I felt like it was like they had put together this roster where it was just like Blake and a bunch of ball hand, like capable ball yeah. handlers around DeAndre. I thought it was really fun, and it was for like three games. Remember, they started three and zero. Blake hit that like buzzer beater. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 yeah, and then they had the mid season kind of rise where they were like winning with guys you've never heard of from like. The Latvian, literally the latvian elite league or something but. i think the clippers are just fun because like they were really not fun at the end of that yeah. chris paul blaker that's fan. true it's just relief but yeah this team's yeah. not winning 40 no, no under i think there's an easy under are you sleeping on the fact that they added marching gortat mike scott and luke richard and Bahamute? some great tats they added some great tats <laughs> sure yeah gortat gortat's got that crazy like calf tat mm. mike scott's literally got emojis tatted all over him it's a good, story, good story idea. <laughs> um, the worst hats in the NBA? I, I definitely read that. Oh, man. There's I, I a, tum- there, there's a Tumblr. Williams is still in there. there. I'm pretty sure there's a Tumblr of that. Is it just Darren Williams and his, and his terrible Panther tattoo? It might just be again? only the Chinese tattoos that the guys get. Oh, God. Kenyon Martin. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah I, I mean, look. this. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't really quite know how the Clippers won 42 games last year. Like A lot of it came down to Doc Rivers actually really motivated the hell out of that squad. And like they played really gritty defense um but i mean i feel like actually weirdly enough austin rivers was a big part of that like he was actually surprising i was always like wow look at austin rivers last year they moved him um and yeah i I don't know man this team really shouldn't have won 42 games last year it's not gonna win 40 games this year i think we all agree on the under um the next one the dallas mavericks 34.5 up from 24 last year they were clearly tanking last year there are a lot of games that were leading into the fourth quarter and uh then they randomly started playing a lot of Dorian Finney-Smith and things like that. But um, they drafted Doncic. Um, they added DeAndre Jordan on a one-year deal. Um, they lost a whole bunch of spare parts like Seth Curry, Nerlens Noel, Doug McDermott, Yogi Ferrell. But given that this might be Dirk's last year, it really does seem like they want to go on a high. They're very motivated to um, win this year, especially since they don't have their pick because they traded it for Doncic. 34 seems high, but I guess it's not impossible especially since rick carlos such a good coach yeah i think they'll win 35 plus i really do i think okay. first of all i think Doncic is that good coming into the mm-hmm. nba okay well, what, do you, what do you think he's gonna do in his rookie season is he gonna come in and be like 15 5 and 5 is he gonna be like uh i mean five dimes yeah yeah I, honestly that's probably a decent baseline right there like okay 15 5 5 add in a steal yeah no i think i think Doncic is gonna be good man I mean, the, and they, I think he's gonna make. They didn't have much of point guard. Before they didn't, this. and like the thing with Doncic is he's gonna make other guys better too. Like, mm-hmm. I think people are gonna be surprised at his vision and his playmaking ability. Like this guy sees things on the court that a lot of vets don't, let alone rookies, like, because he's not a real rookie. Like he's been playing pro ball and dominating pro ball mm-hmm. as a teenager. So I think he's gonna make a difference. I think DeAndre obviously is gonna make a difference, um, even offensively. Like DeAndre's rim running does matter. Yeah, you know, he can't throw the ball in the net sometimes. Like from three feet away, literally. But <laughs> if he's not dunking, you know, it could look ugly. But most of the time, he's going to be dunking. and He's going to shoot 60%, and his rim rolls... Uh, some, I think it might have been Jacob Golson. Someone tweeted out yesterday or a couple of days ago, like, rim rolling gravity, you mm-hmm. know, and, like, the ability to pull defenders towards the rim. That's its own level of spacing, and DeAndre's right. always near the top in that stat. So I think the Mavs got a lot better. Rick Carlisle can make chicken salad out of chicken turds. Like, yeah. Six days a week. There, I think they're going to be solid, and they're not going to be a playoff team, but they'll win thirty-five plus. I really believe that. And they have no more motive to lose. Like last year was very clear that they just specifically lost games towards mm-hmm. the end of the season so that they can get Doncic, and they got Doncic. Yeah, they have just the right amount of like talent with like Doncic, DeAndre, like Harrison Barnes mm-hmm. to to win like thirty-five games. Wow, like, not good enough to make the playoffs, but like they'll win their games. This this has last year's Clippers written all over them, baby. I'm gonna take 42 the over. wins, baby. 42 over. wins, the 10 seed. Let's go. I'm Let's a Mavs go. fan. We're all banging the over for the Mavericks. What are we doing here? All right, the next one, the, the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, Man, we really got to do these teams? Yeah, we're going to zoom through these. But 31.5, which might sound a little bit low considering the fact that they signed Kyle Anderson, which was not bad. Garrett Temple, which is all right, a decent trade. He's a solid, solid two-way uh, shooting guard, I guess. Jaron Jackson. But most importantly... Mike Conley is going to be healthy. And with a healthy Mike Conley, the Grizzlies have consistently been in the playoffs. So why are they down here at 31.5? Who's their coach? Bickerstaff. Still yeah. Bickerstaff? Yeah. 
I, honestly, I, I froze for a second. I was like, oh, who yeah. is their coach? Um, yeah, look, I think I think from an organizational standpoint, they've made some like questionable decisions the last couple of years, and they're so far removed from that like consistent, well-run organization that the grit and grind Grizzlies had become. Because they really had become one of the model franchises for like stability and consistency yeah. and just kind of showing up every night. And they're not that anymore. But I do still think that if Mike Conley is anything close to what healthy Mike Conley is, like peak Mike Conley is, Marcus Gasol... Didn't have a great year last year, and Marcus Saul in, in it himself is like a prickly character. Yes, uh, a little bit in a locker room, like when things aren't going well. Mm. But I do think if Conley's healthy and Gasol's still there, and like Jaron Jackson, I think is a solid pick for them. Like really as a rookie, good. I think he's gonna be a great shooter. Um, like I, I don't know, I thirty-one wins is not a lot for a team with Mike Conley and Marcus Saul, man. And I yeah. get that last year was a disaster, but a lot went into that. They should be better than that. I know. Again, we're going like we're taking so many overs, but no, like, for real, <laughs> yeah, like Eastern like, Conference is gonna have like nine twenty win teams, um, and you, that's very believable. But again, like I just kind of look at talent levels and say, you know, again, a lot of this factors other things into account, though, right. right? Like Vegas is probably factoring into account: is Mike Conley healthy? Like, mm-hmm. is Marcus Saul actually gonna, you know, kind of have a bounce back year in his thirties? Um, but if you're just looking at it as like, okay, everyone kind of stays relatively healthy and it is what it is, it's hard for me to say that a team with Mike Conley and Marc Gasol is going to go 31 and 51 or worse. Yeah, I'm asking this just because I haven't thought about the Grizzlies in like three years. Um, <laughs> like, is Conley or Gasol going to be like on the trade market? I feel like one of them has to be, right? If they, like, are if they going go, in that direction? If things go south, I think one of them has to be. Yeah, but I think they'll eagerly actually try to start winning games. And reevaluate at the trade deadline, or like in January, basically. So they got to get off to a hot start. Is what I'm saying. I'm gonna take the under. Yeah. Okay. It's probably sensible to take the under, to be honest. But um, I agree with Cashman. Mike Conley. People sleep on Mike Conley a lot. He's really, really good. Like the last time he was healthy, 20 points a game, 40 percent from three on six attempts per game. Um, elite defensively as well. Like just a great floor general. Really, really underappreciated. Kanye West's favorite player too. Yeah. But not that that's like a good thing. That's, in that's not a good thing but, anymore. Yeah. You, gotta, you gotta take that back. Um, <laughs> his favorite players. No, never mind. <laughs> yeah, Spencer Haas? Were you gonna say Spencer Haas? I was gonna say Gordon. I was gonna say Gordon Hayward. Oh, I thought you were gonna say uh, Grayson Allen. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Next one. The Phoenix Suns. Twenty-seven point five. They added Trevor Ariza for fifteen million dollars. For what reason? I cannot tell you. Uh, Mikel Bridges, which is cool. Uh, and DeAndre Aiden, the number one pick. Um, they lost a bunch of spare parts. And they signed Devin Booker to the maximum deal. Um, I, I got to go under on this, man. The Suns are terrible. <laughs> they don't play defense. DeAndre Aiden doesn't play defense either. Like, Yeah, they're going to be solid offensively. But like, this is just a team that has no direction whatsoever. No leadership. And like, Devin Booker is not going to provide that leadership as your number one guy. Yeah, I... I think they have the potential to be an exciting, young, kind of like high, um, like firepower-driven team that drops. Loses like, all the time. Exactly. Yeah. But I don't think that's going to translate to wins. Like I could very easily still see them losing like 60 games, at least 55. Um, they're not winning more than 27. That's just not happening. Also, I still don't understand uh, hiring uh, Koskic. Ko- what, Ko- how do you pronounce it? Coach and not drafting Doncic. That's just yeah. Kokoskov. Yeah, whatever. Igor, under. Yeah. yeah. Wow. How dare you? How? How? I have no opinion on the Suns. <laughs> <laughs> they seem fun. How dare you sleep on their coach that no one really knows anything about? Um, wow. TJ Warren's only twenty four still. TJ Warren gets numbers too. I like. Yeah. It's like twenty points a game, yeah. right? I, I know. The most empty twenty points you could get. No, it's um, Wiggins. Wow. Kevin Martin would like a word back in the day. Seriously. All right. Well, speaking of Kevin Martin, his former team, the Sacramento Kings. Oh, we're out of time. Yeah. 26.5. Play, play I, the outro music. I'm just going to say this. First of all, it's an easy under, okay? 27 is wow. like astronomical for them. How? Oh, they oh, won 27, wait, they won last, 27 year. last year. All right. How did they uh, win 27 yeah. games? I'm just going to say Yo, this. You we, lost to the Kings last year. Shame Will, Will Shame started this podcast by saying uh, that we were going to start from the top yeah. with the betting totals because – Spending the first two minutes of a podcast talking about the Kings mm. is kind of weird. I'm just going to say spending two minutes talking about the Sacramento Spending the Kings last two minutes is any, also weird. In any situation, beginning of a podcast, end of a podcast, mm. like while you're sitting on a toilet, doesn't matter. It's just not. It's two minutes of your time that you can never get back if you do it. So wow. 
under, push, over. I don't care. I'm not talking about the Sacramento Kings. The over-under should be like the year they're going to make the playoffs again. Wow. 2020.5. Honestly, I think it's going to be like 10 years at least. Okay, 2023.5 if you really had to wager. I'm going over just yeah, because over, I, was, man. Is Vivek still own the team? <laughs> He's like, not going to give up the team. No one's going to sell a team in the next couple of years, unless it's the Nets. Um, you guys don't want to talk about Bagley? You guys don't want to talk about how they got Ben McLemore? Anytime you can get Ben McLemore again, you got to do it. You got you to get Ben McLemore again. Um, yeah, no, this team doesn't matter. This team doesn't matter. But if you have listened this far... This team doesn't matter. No, it just doesn't matter. This You're going to get an email from King's PR, man. Yeah, well, it's, it's fine. That's fine. We're, who am I going to try to oh, talk to? Oh, shout out to the... Uh, what's the guy's... I think he's like a King's radio guy, or he's like a Sacramento radio guy. Yeah. That for some reason last year... Um, I think... Or was it last year or two years ago? It was like the game when the Raptors thought they had beat the Kings at the buzzer. And oh, then Terrence like Ross. And shot didn't... Yeah. Go, yeah. And uh, I was tweeting about it, and like some Sacramento radio guy, like crying Jordan, my Twitter profile. Picture. Wow! <laughs> Shout out to that guy. If, if, imagine talking trash as a uh, as a Sacramento. No, King the King fan. social media feed. They they talk some trash yeah. sometimes though. But like the King social it's really media sad. Team it's like when the Hawks do it. Self awareness of the Washington Wizards. Yeah. Wow. Well, they gotta have. They We're gotta never have, getting any access to they, the Kings. They gotta come until twenty twenty four. It's okay. No one's trying to access Bialita or Yogi Ferrell anyway. Um, we'll take Vivek, though. Yeah? Yeah, well, actually, no. He would be a great... A great Shump? Great I can't appearance. believe Shump is there. Why do they trade for Shump? Was it like a money trade? Does Tiana, yeah. does Tiana Taylor live in Sacktown? No. She's, she's going to stay wherever she was before. Probably New York. Um, Wait, do we officially announce the under on this? Yeah, we, we're yes. all going under. <laughs> I think we've officially announced the it doesn't matter on this. I'm going to study how the Kings won 27 last year. That's incredible. That is actually incredible. That might be a typo. Anyway, that does it for the podcast. Uh, if you guys have listened this far to all our Kings analysis, thank you. You are truly a hardcore NBA fan. And if you um, you know, are such a hardcore NBA fan, you should definitely get the Score app. Download it. That's where you'll find all the breaking news, all the big trades, all our features about why Trey Young could be very special or you know why Dwayne Casey might struggle in Detroit. Uh, and other features that are not written by myself. But, um, yeah, for Alex and for Cash, um, thank you to everyone for listening to Pound the Rock. And we'll be back later this week to cover the over-unders for the Eastern Conference.